the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. It's good to be with you. Today is Friday, December the 3rd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. In 1818, today, Illinois became the 21st state. Today, in 1828, Andrew Jackson was elected president of the United States by that infamous electoral college that Hillary Clinton would like to get rid of. Today, in 1964, police arrested about 600 students at the University of California at Berkeley one day after the students stormed the administration building, staged a massive sit-in. Today, in 1967, a surgical team in Cape Town, South Africa, led by Dr. Christian Bernard, performed the first human heart transplant on a guy named Louis Wyshkansky, I think is how you pronounce his name. He lived 18, 18 days after the surgery and transplant. Today, in 1992, a test engineer for SEMA Group sent the world's first text message using a personal computer and a Vodafone network. Seems like texting has been around for a long time. 1992. Today, in 2015, Defense Secretary Ash Carter ordered the armed services to open all military jobs to women, removing the final barriers that had kept women from serving in combat, including the most dangerous and grueling commando posts. I'm not going to comment on that at this time, but I will tell you, I'm not going to go there. The U.S. economy added 210 jobs in November, marking the fewest in a single month since President Joe Biden took office in January. November's job report was over 300,000 below what the experts had predicted. They had estimated, the experts, there would be 573,000 new jobs in November. Instead, there were 210 jobs. You'll hardly hear that mentioned on the news today because it doesn't fit the narrative. Speaking of narratives, boy, Mitt Romney, I, I don't know how the Mormon church, I, I, I guess it's his legacy and history with the Mormon church. I don't know how they stay with this guy because the Mormons that I have known, and I worked with some very closely back in the days when um, <laughs> pedophile Ed Murray was um, kind of running the the campaign for the left to uh, a senator then in Washington state to um, redefine marriage. And there were a lot of Mormons who stepped up and worked with myself and others of us who were involved in that. Man, I, I can't match the Mormons that I know as far as these kinds of issues are concerned with Mitt Romney. But whatever. 
Anyway, he's at it again. He wrote a um, an op-ed for the Washington Post. He has a great relationship with them. And um, he's using his connection, actually, with them to get his word out. He put out a, an op-ed, which is basically the talking point of the Democratic Party and how they can use a filibuster to stop Donald Trump if he runs for president again and should he win re-election. In this op-ed... Romney said the Democrats should keep the filibuster as a technical strategy to pre- to prevent Trump from passing an a- agenda in the event that he becomes president again. So Romney is already going after Trump, and he hasn't even, Trump hasn't even said he's going to run. He hasn't said he ha- isn't going to, but just in case. I think Romney sees this as a way to get himself in the news regularly. I mean, that's my opinion. Others, I'm sure, would disagree, but... I think he sees that he may hold very deep anger toward Trump. Apparently, he does, on a, probably on a personal level. It, it seems he does, but I think he sees this also as an opportunity to to pop into the top news headlines from time to time. And being in the Washington Post, I think he sees as a part of that process. But nonetheless, I I don't know. I I don't know why they keep electing him in Utah, but they do. Anyway, speaking of Utah, Nevada, as the East says, Nevada, as we say out in the West here, that Nevada has become the first state to impose a surcharge on unvaccinated workers. Yesterday, they became the first U.S. state to impose a surcharge on workers who have not gotten a COVID vaccine. The penalty is slated to take effect in July, but it's passed. It's in place. They have um, they put this surcharge on employees. It's $55 a month if you don't get a vaccination. They say that's to offset costs that you create for the company by not being vaccinated. This approved proposal stipulates that a surcharge of up to $175 a month for workers, spouses, partners, and dependents 18 years and older can be put in place. They're saying that it can even be adjusted down the road. This Governor Steve uh, Sisolak, he's a Democrat in Nevada, he's the one that imposed the weekly testing in the first place, and he's saying that's why they have to put this surcharge, this tax, on everybody who isn't vaccinated to offset the cost, but the costs are created by his policies. Look at how circular that is. Should the unvaccinated be penalized because he put in place an unconstitutional policy? He doesn't have the right under the Constitution to demand that people get certain health care treatment if they don't believe in it. I'm not saying people should or shouldn't get vaccinated. What I'm saying is that people should be able to make their own, make up their own mind and do what they want to do. And I've been saying that for a long time. But I see this thing, there's a noose, and I see it tightening around all of our liberties and all of our freedoms. Jill Biden, Mrs. Biden, Jill, Dr. Jill, gave a speech the other day. She's pretty cognitive. It was, she spoke well. But in the speech, it was a short one, but I I watched it. I wanted to see what she was saying and how she said it. In the speech, she was talking about this blanket of darkness that we're going through here in America. And her husband, he's kind of in and out of 
being cognitive, but he talks about darkness all the time. They, they must sense the darkness that they're creating, but they don't know that it's of their making. There is a darkness here. There's no question about that. There's a, a darkness wherever there's sin. That's why the Bible speaks of coming into the light in the truth of God's word, in the truth of Jesus Christ himself, who is the truth. John chapter 8, verse 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And verse 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, he said, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And in 2 Corinthians, he wrote, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Our founding fathers were well aware of that verse. In fact, they quoted it often. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. From the founding of this nation, we have recognized that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's why they wanted to infuse, as I mentioned yesterday on this program, Daniel Webster was not a founder of America, but he was the next generation and a prolific senator, and he served in a number of capacities uh, politically and in leadership, but uh, he was a, a, just an unbelievable senator on behalf of this country. And he often spoke of liberty and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he spoke about, and I mentioned that yesterday on this program, but he spoke about the fact that America in its founding was infused with the truth of God, the principles of Judeo-Christianity, of the Bible. No, they weren't trying to create a Christian nation. They were trying to create a nation that would survive the test of time, and they did. Here we are. But now we have a group of people in power who are trying to dismantle this, and they're creating this this darkness that's gripping America, and they keep talking about the darkness when they're the ones that's creating the darkness. If they would take a deep breath and step back and create an environment that's honoring to God and honoring to eternal principles, I don't care whether they're Christians or, well, I do care. I want to win everyone to the Lord. But whether they're Christians or Muslims or Hindu or tree worshipers, I don't know. But I do know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And where the Spirit of the Lord is not, it would be, it, we would know, there's not liberty. And we're living in a time when liberty is being choked with both hands of secular progressivism right around the throat of liberty. And the more they can remove God from the culture, the more liberty becomes elusive and not available before that liberty is hindered. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. May we always have the spirit of the Lord in this nation. And this is not a theology lesson this morning, but wherever God's people are, wherever you are at the moment listening to this program, 
the Spirit of the Lord is in you. And therefore, through His Holy Spirit, we are in the world. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. And Jesus said, we are the light of the world, as imperfect as we are, because Christ lives in us, and He is liberty and freedom and truth. That Spirit is wherever His church, believers in Jesus Christ, happen to be. Ye are the light of the world. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, he's pretty upset. He's taken on the University of Nebraska, in fact. He's uncovered that they're hiring a firm, or they have hired it, that's pushing UNL, the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, pushing them to incorporate the tenets of critical race theory into nearly every aspect of the university system. He says, while the university has repeatedly denied that their plan includes critical race theory, they've told him, the governor, nope, we're not teaching it. That's what schools are saying all across America. Nope, we're not teaching. No, we don't teach critical race theory here, but they do. Some of the time they know it and they're lying. Some of the time they're just not really informed. They're teaching the principles of critical race theory, but they're not. it doesn't say that at the top of their lesson sheet or whatever. But we're living in a time when this critical race theory is demonic. It's demonic in its in its conception, and it's demonic in its administration, and what it's doing to children, and to our nation. Anyway, they're te- they are teaching it there, very much so, and the, the governor's on to them finally, and he is upset. He said, from racially motivated hiring practices to harmful trainings. The university's plan would inject critical race theory into every corner of the campus. It will pit people against each other by conditioning everyone to see others through the lens of race rather than as individuals with unique strengths. That's exactly what it does. He said UNL's focus should be on educational excellence, not ideological indoctrination. Exactly. That's it. He goes on, the plan comes courtesy of this... uh, Halua Lani Associates, it's a diversity, inclusion, and equity consulting organization. They pay, the university paid them $300,000 to map, I'm quoting, the, to map the UNL's diversity action and recommend more diversity efforts for the university to initiate in the future. They're mapping their course. Governor Rickett says a highly paid consultant is not only a CRT scholar, but the guy that's leading from this company and getting the 300 grand, he said, the governor says, he's called for the overthrow of capitalism and a tax on the use, taxing the use of English language. I wouldn't even believe what I'm saying if I didn't know it to be true. It's unbelievable what we're doing today. And it isn't just in a university somewhere. In Nebraska, it's all across America in the lowest grades of our public education. A November 17th lawsuit was filed by two public interest law firms in just the latest in a series of cases where schools are accused of initiating social gender transitions of children behind the back of their parents. And I want to tell you about a couple of those today. This is Bernadette Broyles. She's president and general counsel of the Child and Parent Rights Campaign. 
She says, quote, this sort of thing is metastasizing like a cancer underneath the surface all around the country. If the abortionist forceps, these are my thoughts, but if the abortionist forceps don't steal the life of the little one, we're discussing that in the Supreme Court now, government-run education is standing by to steal their innocence and destroy their lives if they make it out of the womb alive. In all of this, I was thinking a little bit about Christmas yesterday. It should be on our minds. I thought of a little Christmas song that most of us know. It's been around a long time. Away in a Manger. It came to mind. I'll come back to that in a few moments. And just reaffirm a couple of lines from that little song that so many kids sing in Christmas programs in churches and so on. Away in a Manger. I don't know if other people are as concerned about this as some of us are, myself included, but we should be. The Alliance Defending Freedom and the Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty joined parents to sue Wisconsin School District. The school district, but it's not just Wisconsin. I know the immediate reaction, we're all the same. It, well, if it's in New York, it's not affecting me, <laughs> you know. But it's not just in Wisconsin. It's pervasive. But the school district is said to have concealed information regarding children's gender identity from the parents. And they got caught. 12-year-old girl, she was pulled from public school after the district began a social transition, which the complaint now has been filed, says involves, quote, presenting to others as the opposite sex, primarily by adopting a new name and pronouns, against the parents' expressed wishes. It's Kettle Moraine School District, in this case. They have a policy, whether it's written or unwritten, allowing minor students to socially transition to a different gender identity at school without parental consent and even over the parents' objection should the parents find out about it. This is all in the complaint that's been legally filed now. But at first, the principal told the parents after they found out what was going on, that he would have to talk to the school district to determine if respecting their decision so the child about their child so the child could return to school was possible under its policies. Short time later, principal got back to the parents and he said this, quote, when your daughter returned to school, school staff will refer to her using whatever name and pronouns she wants while at school. This was even over the parents' objection. Parents to the public school system today, in many cases, and growing cases, have no say. A 13-year-old. The complaint also describes how after a few weeks, the daughter changed her mind about wanting to transition to a male identity. A number of our leading hospitals and research centers, medical research centers, Johns Hopkins for one, has found that most of these kids, little boys who say, well, I think I'm a girl, they get over it. They change their mind. There's a very, very small percentage of them that don't. They don't know what they're doing. They need leadership. They don't need to be used for some kind of a sexual kind of a experiment called school, paid for by 
we people out here. Boy, I'll tell you, this really bothers me. The complaint says that after a few weeks, she changed her mind. And she said, told her parents, I don't want to transition to a male identity. How does she even know about this stuff? Because she's been indoctrinated. She's 13, probably indoctrinated since she was six years old. And it's just become a normal thing to question your sexuality, biologically. That's what's going on here. So she says, I want to continue using my birth name and my female pronouns. Man, one generation ago, 13-year-olds, they didn't even know those words. And now we are destroying our children in the name of progress. And those people are in power in this country today. And that's what's wrong in this country. The school policy, she says, allow the school to encourage students to identify with the gender, this mother says, that is not in accord with their biological sex. Then the school under the policy can hide information from parents and even lie to parents about it. This is one of many cases that's emerging across the country. This Bernadette Broyles that I mentioned a few moments ago. She represents this these parents, Jeff and January Littlejohn, in a suit which alleges that Leon County schools began helping their daughter transition without their consent after the daughter experienced this gender dysphoria. Of course kids get confused, particularly when they're led to that brink of confusion by their superiors, by their teachers in a classroom. Little John says she emailed her daughter's math teacher explaining that they they weren't affirming at home. We're not agreeing with this. We're just finding out about it. They didn't know who to contact, so they contacted the math teacher. But they, she says, but they didn't feel that we could stop our daughter from using this nickname. However, a few weeks later, the daughter said, after being picked up at school, she said, Mom, I had a meeting today about my name, and they asked me which restroom I wanted to use. The mother's got her 13-year-old kid in the car, and she's telling her, Mom, we had a meeting at school today about my sexuality, and they're asking me which bathroom I want to use. The mother says she was very upset and very confused. She immediately contacted the school, the school guidance counselor, but she was called back by the assistant principal. She said she thought that was odd. He told the mother that her daughter, quote, is now protected by law under a non-discrimination law, and they could not give her any information because the daughter, who was 13 at the time, had to be the one to authorize the notification or attendance at the meeting. The mom said she first called the school, then they refused to even confirm that the meeting had taken place. They tried to mislead her. And then when they couldn't, when they found out the daughter had told the mother, they go, well, we did have a meeting. We learned recently that in California Teachers Association Conference is instructing teachers to undermine parents on gender identity and sexual orientation. This is not isolated in Wisconsin or California or wherever. It's all over the place. To explain why they're usurping parental authority, homosexual rights organizations have drafted They've drafted this piece that they can use. It's a guide, and the guide is titled LCS, Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Gender Nonconforming, and Questioning Support Guide. With a few variations, I looked into this fairly deeply. I hate talking about this. I really do. 
I just wish they'd leave our kids alone. But they won't. They can't. They're possessed. So we'll talk about it. But it makes you want to take a shower. Anyway, with a few variations from district to district, the statement is the same. I see it showing up in the east and the west, all over the place, in these schools that are making these statements. Here's what it, here's the, the, the basis of what they're telling parents. It's the printed guide that I just mentioned. Question, I'm quoting from that now. Question, a student has exhi- exhibited behavior in school leading administrators or teachers to believe the student is LGBTQ+. Should parents or legal guardians be notified? Answer, no. Outing a student, especially to parents, can be very dangerous to the student's health and well-being. Some students are not able to be out at home because their parents are unaccepting of LGBTQ people. As many as 40% of homeless youth are LGBTQ+, many of whom have been rejected by their families for being LGBTQ. Outing students to parents can literally make them homeless. That's end of quote. There's a little bit more there, but that's the essence of it. Broyles is saying that it is this sort of thing that is metastasizing like cancer under the surface around our country. There's lawsuits in Loudoun County, Virginia. There's lawsuits in other parts of the, of the country now. Parents are awakening to this tragedy regarding their children. Yes, there is some truth in that statement that they're putting out, and all the school districts are using those same words. There is some that there are parents who get very angry, and some of them ask their children to leave the home and so on. If they come home and say, hi, I'm gay, or hi, mom, I'm not a boy anymore, I'm a girl, or whatever. I don't think that's the way it should be handled personally as a Christian. I believe we should love our kids with all of our heart. And we, should, we can love them and we can not accept and not affirm their behavior or their adopted beliefs. We can do this because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he did that for sinful people like you and me. That's why I believe we too have the capacity in Christ to love that child with all of our heart but to stand firm against their behavior. But some parents do ask their kids to leave, and I I understand that, and I think that's the wrong response. But I want to leave you with this. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep in the hay. The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes. You've heard this before. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And then it goes to this. I love thee, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and take us to heaven to live with thee there. I think that could form a prayer on behalf of parents for their children. Think about it. Stay by my cradle till morning is night. We need the Lord standing by our children, those that are out of the cradle as well. 
Anyway, consider this and be informed. Thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.